This is our ninth installment on the life of Joseph. That very, very moving and touching story in the book of Genesis that brings us to the end of this book. It brings us to the people of, uh, to the Hebrews having finished their journey into Egypt and beginning a very long, long stay for them. Today we're going to speak about blessing. Passing on the blessing and how we can best prepare. I actually have on record there is uh, in our CDs there is a message that I gave I looked back to find the date on it it was uh, May in the month of May 2007 uh, we gave a four part series on bestowing the blessing so we're not going to go back and do the whole thing we want to look at it from a different angle but I mentioned that in case you choose or wish to hear the whole uh, four messages, they can be available, made available to you by uh, CD. As I look at the life of Joseph, and I see how this young man was able to endure for 17 years in the flesh, the rejection of his brothers... For 17 years, his dreams were somewhat crushed because of the um, hatred and how his brothers envied him. And they hated and envied him for one reason and one reason only. Because his father loved him. Because his father loved him deeply and greatly. So I can't help but think that one of Joseph's ongoing reasons for strength throughout those 17 years of captivity came from the love shown to him by his father as a boy. As we come to the last chapters of Genesis, we find ourselves bidding goodbye to the last of the three patriarchs of the faith. Abraham has come and gone. Isaac has come and gone. And Joseph, known also as Israel, is about to close his eyes. His life has been quite the roller coaster. Joseph, the heel grabber or deceiver, and in his last days, has something valuable to afford to us. So let's pray and see what God has in store for us this morning. Father in heaven, we ask that you speak to our hearts. That you bless us, Father, even us. That in turn we may bless those whom we have an opportunity to touch. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, your perspective on yourself may not always be accurate. Simply because you might not be happy 
with your accomplishments, with what you thought you should have done, or maybe because you tend to focus more on the moments, in, on that last moment or present moment, and sort of forget what you have accomplished, touched, how you have influenced into other people's lives. The first thing we want to look at is Joseph's perspective. If you have a proper perspective, if it, all, if it ultimately gets right, it will also influence in how you bless other people. Um, let me just take you for a minute to Genesis chapter 47 and verse 9, just to sort of remind you what's going on here. I do pray that you've been reading these chapters, because we're not going through every single one of the verses, but uh, that you know the story good and well enough. But uh, in chapter 47, Joseph has just come down to Egypt, and he, uh, he has received, uh, excuse me, I meant Jacob by that, and you knew that, right? You knew that, right? Right? You're with me? Are you with me? Uh, he, Jacob has just come down to Egypt. He has seen his son Joseph. He, uh, he is enthused about what's about to happen. He's being introduced to a, a whole new life. And he gets to meet Pharaoh. And while he is meeting Pharaoh, these are the words that Joseph had for Pharaoh. Verse 9 of chapter 47. It says, So Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my sojourning are 130. Catch the next word. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. Nor have they attained the years that my father lived during the days of their sojourning. And I thought, really? Really, Jacob? Is that how you really see the summary of all of what you are? How we see ourselves is not always how others might see us. So I took the time, went back and refreshed my memory. Joseph, uh, Jacob, Jacob, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this all morning long. Jacob, he was a man who valued the birthright more than his own brother. And for that, he was rewarded. He was a man who has a personal encounter with God at a place called Luz. And there he meets the God of his fathers. And it goes from being the God of his fathers to being his God. From being, may I please, the religion of his fathers to being his. He had a personal encounter with God at that ladder in Luz. He was a man who loved enough to sacrifice years of service to Laban, his father-in-law, for one of his daughters, Rachel. And you remember the story how he was deceived and ended up working 14 years so that he would have Rachel. A man prospered by God materially. A man who faced his past as he meets with his brother Esau and prepares for such an encounter. And God blesses him. A man who dared to ask God to bless him and wrestled with God long enough and, and, and furiously enough to hear that God would bless him. A man whom God renames 
for his ability to prevail and calls him Israel. In the book of Hebrews, we get a glimpse of how this all finishes. Hebrews chapter 11 is that so-called chapter of the heroes of the faith. And there is a summary there of some of those who have walked with God. And it of course is Jacob. And what it says of Jacob in chapter 11 verse 21 is this. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped. To be able to bless. Something definitely was good by the time it was all over. Sometimes conscience affects our estimate of the things that are around us. We wonder if we could have done more for God. In comparing himself with with his fathers, Jacob actually honors them. Because he, he says to he says to Pharaoh in in, in, in few words, I, I just haven't attained to what my fathers have attained. I haven't even attained in years. Abraham lived 175, Isaac 180, Jacob a mere 147. The last years, though, reshaped his perspective. You see, he had, he had lived through sorrow. Deep sorrow. Not just the loss of his son. He lost his wife, whom he loved, Rachel. And, and he eventually lost his other wife, Leah. And, and as a result, all of this sorrow had mounted upon his life. But those last 17 years that he lives in Egypt, sort of refocused him back to who he was. And so for that, may I please take you again to chapter 48. Let's listen to those last few words as he speaks to his son. Chapter 48 verse 15. Verse 15 says, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless your sons. Bless the lads. So it does matter how we finish. Sure it does. Catch a perspective. You know, it sometimes takes other things to remind us. My wife was very diligent to put together photo albums from all of our life and ministry. She sort of stopped somewhere about the year 2002, I think it was. and uh, No, 2003. And that's when we got our first digital camera. And I say, ah, oh, that digital camera. Because all now it's all on CDs and it's all hard to... But there's an al- there are these albums and my children will pull out these albums from time to time and they start way from the beginning. And, and once in a while they'll come up to me and say, Dad, Dad, who was this? What was this? And I remember. And they don't even realize how many times I walk away and I say, Thank you, God. 
I forgot about that. Thank you, God. I, I forgot you used us in, in that person's life. And, and, and we remember. And as we remember the goodness of God in our lives, as we get a proper perspective, we are then able to, to project that to others. Our values. If our perspectives are important, certainly our values will come out at the end. And that's what happened in the life of Jacob. Again, may I point you to chapter 48. We're going to read verses 3 and 4. 48, 3 and 4, and then verse 7. And this is what it says. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you a fruitful and numerous, and will make you a company of people, and will give you the land of your descendants, and after you, uh, and after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born in your land of Egypt, before whom I came to Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh are mine. Um, Go up to, excuse me, go up to chapter, verse 3. I started in wrong one. Verse 3. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me. God Almighty appeared to me at Luz, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me. Verse 4. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, uh, and I will make your company a people, and will give this land to your descendants after you. For an everlasting possession. Dap down to verse 7. Now as for me, when I came from Padam, Rachel died to my sorrow in the land of Canaan on the journey when there was still some distance to go to Ephrat. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrat, that is Bethlehem. Our values. Only three thoughts remained within him in the twilight of his life. He expressed his experience with his God. He remembered his ability to love in his dealing with grief. Those three things were important to him when it all came down to the end. His experience with God, his ability to love, and his dealings with grief. May I quote to you something that I have found. It says this, The filling up of life, however important in its day, is in retrospect very insignificant. You don't get to take your toys with you. The significance of an event is not judged by its force, but by the productiveness in our inward life. The significance of an event is not judged by its force, but by the productiveness in our inward life. How has it bettered me? What has that event done? to my inner person. Let me read to you something else. It says, our earthly life. Our earthly life gives promise of what our earthly life 
does not accomplish. Our earthly life promises immortality, yet our earthly life is mortal. Our earthly life contains life in death and eternity in time. Our earthly life attracts us by beginnings which faith alone bring to an end. To live and to live without faith is to not live at all. By faith we receive immortality. We conquer death. We face eternity. You see, your experience with God will give you your identity, your value, your worth. As you know God, you will know how He valued you and the worth that you were to Him. Your experience with God. Your ability to love will reflect God in you. will create bonds and fulfills the purposes of God in your life. And you're dealing with grief? Well, you're dealing with grief acknowledges the providence of God. It reminds us of the dependency that we have in God. And it purifies the inner man. When it's all said and done, folks, our relationship to God, those whom we have loved, and what we have learned through our griefs, will stand out. And number three, we have the perspective must be correct. We have the fact that our values must be placed in order. And number three, then comes the imparting of the blessing. When you are right, when all your cards are stacked in the right order, you will be able to impart the blessing. Again, let me go back with you to Genesis chapter 48. Again, verse 15. We're going to read 15 and 16, then we're going to jump to 20 and 21, and then over to 49, and I'll, uh, I'll guide you through that. Chapter 48, verse 15 and 16. May I remind you. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And may my name live on in them, in the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Verses 20 and 21. And he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel shall pronounce blessing, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Verse 21, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. And if you'll jump to one more verse, chapter 49, verse 28. Verse 28, chapter 49, it says, 
All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, everyone with the blessing appropriate to him. Um, a counselor, Christian counselor, known in some circles, his name is Gary Smalley, writes in a book called The Blessing. This is what he writes. No matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval along to your children. No matter your age, the approval of your parents affects how you view yourself and your ability to pass that approval along to your children. I can't help but think, as I said in the beginning, that one of the reasons Joseph was able to withstand and, and survive all of that ache was because he knew his father loved him. That no matter where his father was, his father loved him. And no matter what the distance was between them, his father loved him. And in his dying days, this is what was projected to his son, what Jacob projected to his son. God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. He knew his father loved him. And he received that love right to the very end. They tell us there are five specific Aspects that need to be included in the family blessing. In a Jewish family, a true practicing Jewish family, the blessing is very important. We should make it important to project to our children the blessing. There are five aspects. The first one is meaningful touch. The act of touching is a key to communicating warmth, personal acceptance, affirmation, and even physical health. Just a hug, a mere hand on the shoulder of approval can say so much to our children, no matter what their age is. I'm 50 years old, I know I'm a kid, I know, I know, I know, I'm just a kid. Yet at my age, I still need for the approval of my parents, of my mother. It doesn't go away. And if you have the privilege of still having your children, it doesn't matter how old they are, they still need your approval. Whether they tell you or not, they need your approval. And a hug can do wonders. A kiss and communicate so much. There is the spoken message. The spoken word indicates worthiness of attention. Good words are necessary to communicate love and to provide genuine acceptance. There was a little boy 
on a football team. He was sort of like, we call them third stringers, you know. They're sitting there in case two guys get injured. And while they were training, uh, one of the boys was complaining that the coach was constantly on his case, telling him to do better. And he was complaining, ah, he's always picking on me. And the third string boy said, be happy he at least talks to you. When he stops talking to you, that's when you need to worry. I had a very, very good friend of mine. He's a pastor. He was my youth pastor when I was a young lad. And he, um, he's got eight children. I mean, he's way ahead of my game. And uh, we were talking one day, and I expressed some of my sadness because my children were beginning to go away from home and living independently in the big U.S. of A. and so on. And we talked about it. And, and this is what, among the many things, he gave, me one, he gave me one piece of advice that I value so deep. But I'll leave that one for another time. But he did among those days say this to me. He said, Rafa, don't stop calling them. I know that what you keep saying is, why don't they call me? You ask my wife. I mean, I have done everything I needed to do. I've got him cell phones. We brought a phone from the United States that has a straight line to the U.S. They can call us free. I mean, it's, it doesn't cost them minutes. It doesn't cost them anything. All they have to do is hit the redial button for crying out loud. And I say to my wife, have the kids called? No, they haven't. We need to call them. We need to call them. Because they need to know that even when they're busy and they're about their studies, we are thinking about them. And they need to hear our voice. They need to hear us say, we love you. And you're a rotten scoundrel for not calling, but we love you. Because words affirm. We are to ascribe high value. That means to value someone means to, to attach worth, price, in this case priceless. Words of blessing show, should carry with them the recognition that this person is valuable and has redeeming qualities. Do you know what the word bless means in Hebrew? The word to bless, or bless in Hebrew means to bow down. To bow down. It means you, you are saying you are of great worth and so I bow to you. When you bless, you are giving high value. Sometimes we think, we gave you life. We clothed you. We gave you an education. We bought that stupid instrument you never learned to play. You know, we, we did this, we did that. You should be grateful. You should call us. You should write to us. It just doesn't work that way, folks. They're busy. they got other things. But how you make them successful is by projecting to them blessing. 
Because I'll tell you what, my children fail, I fail. And I know that. My children don't step into God's presence. I don't care how many people I've led to Christ. I've failed. That's my opinion. I have to bless them. I have to ascribe to them value. And you have to picture a special future for them. You have to tell them that they can. We need to help and encourage in setting meaningful goals. We don't need to push them to unattainable expectations. You know careers change, jobs change, people are made redundant, hard situations come along. And when you get that call from your grown-up son or daughter, you don't say, well, what did you do wrong that they made you redundant? Because I know that's what we want to do. Instead we say, that's okay. God still sits on the throne, son. God still sits on the throne, daughter. And I know He has plans for your life. You project to them a blessing. For I know, says the Lord, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not to, uh, of calamity, to give you a future and a hope. You can say that. Because God said that. And you can communicate to them the commitment to fulfill that blessing. That means that you rely on God to provide the strength, the consistency to confirm your children's blessings. And it doesn't matter how old you are, that you are there. And that they have your resources if they need them to acquire that blessing. To get to that place. Confirm your children. Bless them. Be practical in bringing that blessing into their lives. Don't spend your... Okay, maybe you want to spend your inheritance. What I am saying is be practical in how you help them reach what God has prepared for them. As we close the thought, remember what Jacob said to Joseph. God will be with you. I mean, is there anything more important then to affirm them in the truth. God will be with you. And He will bring you back to the land. That is, God will bring you, will to that place, to that designated purpose in your life. He will fulfill His purpose. You know, as I have lived with you folks, and I tell you all the time, I learn from you. Because I haven't gotten to 60 yet. I haven't gotten to 70 yet. And I watch some of you, you folks, there's still tons of life in you. 
And, and you are going through life as though you're still wanting to attain that purpose of God in your life. Ah, that's an encouragement to me. I'm not finished. That's still more to be done. So do you think your children are done? Just because they turned 40 last week? Or 50? Are they finished? Have they attained? Or can you still project in them the blessing to come to the place that God has designed for them? That providence that we've been speaking of in the past. That designed, designated place of God for their life. If you are still faithfully walking toward it, aren't they? Find your approval in God and in no one else. Then project that approval to your children. For your blessing can make the difference in their life. And it's never too late. While they have breath and you have breath, it's never too late. There's more aspects to the blessing. And again, if you wish, um, those were recorded about four years ago in a message. Let's stand as we close in prayer. And as we stand, I know God is speaking to you. He speaks to me, speaks to you. Maybe you need to go home. Pick up the phone. Turn on the computer. Send an email. Get on their Facebook if you're really a hip grandpa. You know, I mean, if you're really updated, you grab the tweeter. I don't know. I don't know what tweeter is. And project to them your love, your approval. And bless them. Just like Jacob blessed his children in the twilight of his days. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the testimony of those who have gone before us. Yes, we think of Jacob and Joseph. But we think of those, Father, more recent. Perhaps a father, a mother, a godly example, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a mentor who blessed us, projected worth to our life, believed in what God could do in us more than we believed in ourselves. Move our hearts, Lord, never to forget they're still looking to us. So just maybe they don't tell us. So we commit ourselves to you, Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus.